Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health. Which really means I just love talking about science. News and Peace, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. Did you have a good Easter? Yeah. I mean, I've been hiding eggs like a thousand times all day. <laughs> but of yeah. course, yeah. I love yeah. I love holidays. It doesn't matter what they are. I just So when I was a kid, we got a four day weekend for Easter and it always kind of disorients me that my kids don't have they don't have, like they don't even have an extra day. Like it's just a regular weekend. But it's a regular weekend that gets completely taken up with Eastery activities, and so it's always a little bit like, oh, I, I just I feel like they should have a day off school here. But our um, kids get spring break the week of Easter, so they so don't get spring break until next week. So, and then we're gonna totally live it up. So it's gonna be amazing, <laughs> and I'm super excited. My husband, ha- so my husband has a conference, uh, basically in a resort in Naples, Florida. So we're like, yeah. Hotel rooms paid, travels paid. Let's go. So it's one of the. Um, actually, I, I've been trying to find reasons to um, sort of accompany him on. I mean, it's one of the great things about having a husband in ac- academia. He has reasons to travel to really cool places a few times a year, and I've been trying to figure out like how we can start making these more like family trips. And his last couple of years, the places he's gone have either been really forbiddingly expensive and just not not within our budget to be able to to follow him or they've been places where i know that diet was going to be a real challenge you know compounded by a language barrier and i just felt really intimidated by that idea or it was like oh well that's like the worst week i could possibly pull my kids out of school so um i'm kind of excited that all the stars have aligned for this one but that's forward that's forward easter did you make more gummy worms and more peeps or was like the development of the recipes enough? No, no, no. We, we host brunch, which we do for all major holidays. So, um, we did, uh, like a seafood egg casserole thing. Cause what I really wanted was crab cakes with poached eggs on top, but I don't want Matt in the kitchen all day cooking like all minute. So, um, we, made that kind of like a frittata and then deviled eggs honey baked ham my mom brought a couple things my sisters brought a couple things so just a like a big brunchy 
family thing, and then there is uh, so much egg hiding and rehiding and rehiding. Um, only the first one is filled with stuff, and we talked last week. Like, we do coins, um, although I think the boys would love Legos. I just know they'd never find them all. Like, pieces would be lost immediately. Well, so this is, I can't even, I think it's the fifth year in a row that the Easter Bunny has left plastic eggs filled with each one has a couple of Lego pieces and we go for like a 300 piece set. So it's, it's not like a huge set. Um, but, uh, what I love about it is, so the Lego's a little bit harder to put together cause you have to take it out of, you know, like there's bag one, bag two, bag three, and then all of those are mushed together. Um, but the kids will go around, they go around and they find the Lego and then we'll sit down as a family and start putting it together. And then we know if we're missing any eggs. So it's this wonderful thing of like, well, now I like we know we have to keep going and hunting. And what the Easter Bunny did this year was left some um, suspiciously looking like equal exchange dark chocolate eggs. I don't know where the Easter Outside Bunny Outside in the goes. sun? No, no, we do. The Easter Bunny leaves stuff uh, inside the house when the kids are asleep. Gotcha. So this is this is my Canadian Easter roots here. Um, so then the kids wake up in like the family room, kitchen, and living room and hallway are all like covered in in fun stuff. So um, so then we sit. We we spend basically the next couple hours putting together the Lego and. Um, the kids are at a point now where they can completely put together Lego sets themselves. Um, so it's a little bit more of a parent like, oh, no, I made a mistake and I can't figure out how to fix it. Or I can't find this piece and I need a- another set of eyes to come look. Um, but it's this wonderful. Then it becomes this like whole day activity. And it kind of, you know, we still had chocolate, but it really de-emphasized the chocolate. But can I tell you what happened? So on Saturday... We uh, had got we got this like really cool Easter egg dyeing kit that had little decals that you could like put on, and then it had these little like butterfly things. So you made these were like just just made a really pretty Easter egg thing, and I swapped out the dyes that the kit came with for um, uh, India Company natural food dyes. Um, so we made hard boiled eggs and we dyed them. And then, like, neither one of my kids apparently like hard-boiled eggs. Like, I knew my nine-year-old didn't, but I thought my six-year-old did. I guess she hasn't had them in a while. So then I ended up making breakfast. I was like, I was so counting on hard-boiled eggs and chocolate for breakfast. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, what I always ate when I was right? a kid. That was what we, we had. So we used to weirdly have hard-boiled eggs, kipper, and chocolate. I don't know. And grapefruit. I don't I don't know why the kipper and grapefruit, but that was, like, our, our stereotypical uh, Easter breakfast when I was a kid, but um, yeah. So then, then I was like, "That's not fair!" But now I have to go scramble eggs. I thought I thought this was taken care of, um, but it actually—I mean, it wasn't such a big deal. I didn't mind. But um, now I have a fridge full of very pretty hard-boiled eggs, and like I can't eat them, so that's like all of my husband. Poor husband is just going to be eating hard-boiled eggs for the foreseeable future. Well, I can say it's one of my favorite things about, especially when I was growing up, I always looked forward to it because my family like never made hard boiled eggs and deviled eggs were a thing that we only did as like appetizers on holidays. And I love both of those things. Um, They're, they're very intimately related. Well, so my kids take turns on 
like who gets the egg white and who gets the yolk, but they all love hard boiled eggs. So I wonder, I, I should try making deviled eggs with these and see if that changes its reception. Cause I've got some primal kitchen mayonnaise in my fridge. Like it, it would take me all five seconds, yeah, seconds to make. So um, I should, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that idea. There you go. And I won't. I'll even give you credit. I won't even pretend I came with, up with it on my own. <laughs> In fact, sometimes I don't know if you have this, but do you ever like? I sometimes will have an easier time getting my kids to eat something that looks a little bit different if I'm like. Oh no! This is this is Matt and Stacy's recipe, or you know, this is this is Mr. Russ's recipe. Like I've got like certain people that I can be like, oh no, this is their recipe, and like it doesn't matter if it is or not. But my kids will be like, oh, oh well, if it's not your recipe, mom, I'll try it. <laughs> so um, maybe I, maybe that'll actually help me out. Well, let me know how it turns out. Crum- <laughs> crumbled bacon on top always helps as well. Uh, so this is a thing. So my nine-year-old has never liked bacon because this uh, is a thing, right? I, she must have been swapped at birth. There's only that's the only possible explanation. Uh, the fact that she looks so much like her dad, there's no way. But um, and my six-year-old only likes U.S. Wellness meats bacon uh, roasted in the oven until it's 100% crispy, and I she will not. She will not eat any other brand of bacon, and she doesn't like it if it's at all like I like it a little bit, a little bit before crispy. So it's got crispy bits, but then it's got chewy bits. She no, no, she just wants it crispy. So she's becomes like she's like the biggest bacon snob on the in the history of bacon snobs. And there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of bacon snobs out there. Um, and so I basically she's basically stopped even trying. She's like, no, mama, I'm you used to make it the way I like it, but you don't do it anymore. I'm like. Okay, girl who's into fashion. That's her new thing. Her new thing is like, Mom, before you buy me clothes, I want you to take me to the grocery store because I really know it's fashionable. And to the grocery store? To the grocery store. To the to the sorry, I don't buy clothes in the grocery store. It's late apparently, and I, <laughs> I was like a second there. I mean Whole so, Foods so, does have a couple of things, but I was thinking their entire wardrobe can't be from there. Oh, I buy all my stuff at Target. Um I mean, Target's awesome, I, but no, she wants she wants to go to the clothing store so that she could pick out all of her things because she's she's opinionated about what she wears now. Well, I mean, she's the kid who will go thing. to her closet and pick every single thing that has a floral pattern and put all the floral patterns together, even though they are completely different palettes and completely different floral patterns. But, the, but then weirdly, when you see her, like you're thinking like, there's no way that works. And then you, you see her and she owns it. And she makes it look good. And I'm like, okay. I love mixed patterns. She can uh, tell her to text me her pa- mixed pattern selfies every day. And I will <laughs> let her know if it works or not. She will love having another person's um, text on her iPod that she can send text messages to. And uh, if you're you sure you want to open that door. I'm just totally down. <laughs> All right. I, have no little, I have no little girls to do anything with. Little girls are a whole different thing from little boys. Yep. And uh, every once in a while, I'm a little bit jealous that I <laughs> can't, because I was such a tomboy. There's a lot of like little boy things that I would really enjoy doing with little boys. That sounded kind of dirty, but I didn't mean it that way. Um, it wasn't until you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is sometimes playing with bugs and dirt is fun. 
And my kids are into the dirt, but not into the bugs, unfortunately. Mm. Although, also, to be fair, the bugs in Georgia are really creepy. Where I grew up, the bugs were pretty pretty innocent and harmless. Different. It's a different place down here. All right. So speaking of the differences between boys and girls. Oh, you did it. I'm so good at this right now. You are on fire. All right. Let's talk about what happens when girls grow up. Let's do it. You know, it's interesting because we've actually have quite a collection of sort of uh, questions that I sort of think of as being under the umbrella of women's health issues. But I think that it's really important before we go into those questions to emphasize that women's, uh, these things that sort of like women just deal with um, that are uh, annoying things that we talk about amongst ourselves and then realize, oh yeah, all women are like this. There are a lot of things that don't, aren't like, they're not a necessity. They're not things that have to happen. And when we change our diets and we change our lifestyle, they're things that's like suddenly go away. I remember having conversations with women about, um, about, uh, constipation while traveling. Right. And it was just like this, like the whole room, every single woman was like, yeah, I can never go poop when I'm traveling. It was like this whole thing. Sorry. I started talking about poop, Stacy, but if we're going there today. It's, I'm warming you up because we're going to, we're going to go there today. I'm actually, um, I'm kind of excited to talk about this topic. I don't know why it doesn't bother me to talk about it, but I'm totally fine with today's topic. Um, so I'm excited about that because it feels like it's taken 289 episodes, but we finally have you somewhat desensitized to talking about poop. <laughs> um, so, um, so I think, you know, we sort of have these, you know, these, these sort of things that um, women kind of bond over, but meanwhile, they're sort of symptoms of something that's not quite right, like symptoms of gut dysbiosis or symptoms of, you know, nutrient deficiencies or symptoms of um, hormone imbalances. And they're things that can be dramatically improved with diet. And so I think that, you know, it would be, I think, false advertising. Um, and also, I think, little bit myopic and kind of belligerent too at the same time to suggest that you know, paleo fixes everything right like you kind of see those websites where like paleo's like branded as this cure-all and I don't believe that that hasn't been my experience I'm you know completely dedicated to this way of eating and living and it's made a tremendous a tremendous difference in my own life but I could never say that it like made my health perfect and it fixed everything that has ever right like it's that that would just be that would just be ridiculous, and I think that when people are claiming that they're um, not sharing the full story, um, but I still think that you know we've 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 got kind of some cool questions. I'm excited about them. I would say what I heard somewhere once, and I wish I could hear. I think it was Stephanie Ruper actually said it that although it might be common, sometimes it's not normal, and the mm, question. I like that. The question for us is like, is it just common or is it normal? Because there are things that happen that's different because of hormones and that kind of stuff. And then there's stuff that's like, people tell you that that's normal, but it's not actually good. So I think that's where we're going to try to help answer some questions tonight, right? 
Yeah. So um, because these questions are going to involve a fairly large amount of geekdom, we're just going <laughs> to dive right in today. I like it when you do the science in the questions. Because uh, then it's just like, I literally imagine knowledge bombs falling from the sky. And I do have to say that there are, our listeners um, have been asking, I think, much more technical questions. And there's much more opportunity to uh, nerd out in the questions than there was when we started the show. And there was, you know, when we were, when we started this three and a half years ago, um, you know, I think paleo was, I mean, it is still growing, but I think the paleo community was just still so full of like practical, how do I do this questions? And I feel like now there's much more like, I want to know why. I want to know why this happens. I want to know how to do this, like how to get over this. I want it, like I want the more details. Uh, so this might just be kind of an, a, a regular thing of of uh, interspersing the nerdiness. That's what we're going to call it. I heard through the rumor mill that Matt already has a soundbite that he uses when you do that, that people love. So that's pretty exciting. Um, well, I'm imagining he's going to want to uh, whip that one out for this episode. <laughs> I think there's some nerdiness coming, Matt, just FYI. Let's dive in. Our first question is from Leah. And Leah says, hi, Sarah and Stacy, with an exclamation point. I just want you to know there was an exclamation <laughs> point there. She was very excited to say hi to us. Every time I eat fermented foods, I start to get yeasty down there. Doesn't matter if it's kombucha, sauerkraut, or even probiotics, I start to get the feeling of an oncoming yeast infection any suggestions? To me, that sounds like there's some imbalance in the gut. And I would, I'm sure you have some details, but I would definitely look into kind of a, a diet reset on uh, bacteria normalization in the gut. Doesn't seem normal to me. Yeah, so scientific studies, uh, Overwhelmingly, the consensus is is that probiotics, um, so you know, wild ferments, um, uh, like raw something like raw sauerkraut, probiotic supplements, kombucha, kefir, that the strains of bacteria and yeast uniformly um, are probiotic and actually can help to fight candida. Candida is a very opportunistic. Um, yeast. There is no candida in fermented foods. There are other forms of yeast, like Saccharomyces boulardii, and I just said that. Um, that actually, <laughs> right? I just said I pronounced it correctly. Is all I'm saying because that's one of those ones. It's I'm. Do you? So when you figure that out, is there like a wiki page that you listen to someone pronounce it? How do you even figure it out? So all scientific, like technical words, are all based in Latin. So there's rules for pronouncing them that you just i don't know you just know and you just follow but sometimes when the words are really long it's like oh i can't wrap my mouth around that word and saccharomyces is one of those ones i'm like i can never i just said it twice correctly <laughs> in the same episode so maybe i've gotten over my chronic mispronunciation i'm um, sorry i distracted you Right, sorry. Yes. Saccharomyces boulardii is a yeast that is found in wild ferments it's found in kombucha it's found in um water and milk kefir, and it's known to um, restrain the growth of candida. But candida is very opportunistic, and things environments that it likes are high estrogen environments, which is why 
um, you know, if you're on a hormonal birth control that increases your chances of, of developing a candida infection. Um, it really likes high blood sugar. So it really likes refined carbohydrates, out of control blood sugar. So if you're eating too many sugars, that's something that um, candida likes. Um, and it likes uh, a high, high stress environment. So when cortisol is really high, candida, candida enjoys that. But the strains in fermented foods are known to help control candida growth. So that was like, well, this is interesting because this is not actually the first time that we've had a question to this effect. So here's some fun facts about vaginitis, something I never thought I'd actually talk about on this show. Is that, is that what yeast infection is called? That is what it's because it, it's infection of the vagina. Uh, see, I just, just bomb. Right? So... Uh, fun facts about vaginitis um, is that so it, when yeast infections are typically diagnosed based on symptoms, but those symptoms can actually have many different causes. And candida is actually only the cause of vaginitis. About di different reports sort of have different statistics. So let's let's split the difference and say about half the time. Some places will say forty percent. Some places will say seventy percent. But let's say. It's actually candida's fault about half the time. Um, some of the other common culprits are um, bacterial infections um, and uh, irritants and allergies. And there's even some information that there's something called allergic vaginitis, which is caused by an allergy. And there's, of course, like a direct topical allergy, like if you had a latex allergy and you were using condoms, that would cause allergic vaginitis. Um, but there's actually a growing body of scientific literature that this is one possible symptom of a food allergy. So when somebody talks about kombucha, sauerkraut, and probiotics, the first thing I think about is um, getting tested for yeast sensitivities, yeast allergies. So IgG, IgA, IgE antibodies against yeast and see if that's a factor, because it's actually a fairly common food sensitivity. Um, and it's depending on how reactive and what type of antibody, uh, there's sort of like different levels of yeast-free diet. So you can just cut out the major contributors like um, nutritional yeast and ferments and definitely kombucha and kefir because they have more yeast than something like sauerkraut. And then depending on how sensitive you are, you know, things like all the things that you would normally ferment, especially things like berries, grapes, have a lot of wild yeast on them. I mean, that's why grapes make wine. Um, so um, some people find that they kind of have to cut those things out. I tested positive for yeast, uh, brewer's yeast and baker's yeast on my food sensitivity panel that I did just over a year ago and um, noticed a pretty big difference um, just really in my overall skin quality when I cut out uh, fermented foods and um, I s and kombucha and kefir and um, definitely cut out definitely cut out brewer's yeast um, and now I'm at a point where I can handle an occasional alcoholic beverage as long as I don't if I drink them daily I will develop a rash but as long as I'm not drinking them daily having one once in a while seems to be okay um, but that was a sad thing for me because then I had to figure out. I had to basically, instead of doing food sources of probiotics, which is definitely, I think, preferable as I had to start figuring out supplement forms of probiotics, which I think is 
inferior, but when you have a yeast sensitivity, it's kind of your option. I just want to emphasize that um, for those women that might experience this kind of sensitivity around um, the time that they get their period, I learned that I was using a menstrual cup that I was sensitive to. And it took, like, it didn't happen the first few months. I think my body became more sensitive to it the longer that I used it. And I switched brands, and now I don't have any problems. I've been using the same brand for years. But like you mentioned, um, uh, condoms, for example, as being something that could yeah. irritate. I, I hadn't associated it with the cup because I associated it with the period. And then I realized, um, I, you know, I did one menstruation without using the cup and I didn't have problems. And I realized it was, uh, reaction that I was having to the cup. and I Yeah. So toxic shock syndrome, which is um, something that happens from prolonged tampon use in its more mild form also causes vaginitis. So you can, you can get vaginitis from tampon use. Um, there's even uh, one of those, I don't know exactly what the mechanism is. It's probably, probably has something to do with like heat and moisture and friction. Um, and yes, I just said all of those words on a rated G podcast, <laughs> um, but, um, wearing uh, really tight clothing, uh, non-breathable underwear and, and pantyhose are all considered risk factors for developing <coughs> space. <laughs> right. So, um, so, and then also, I guess it's also worthwhile to mention, this is, uh, the, the PSA announcement part of this is that. Vaginitis can also be caused by a couple of different STDs. Um, so if this is a recurring problem, it's worthwhile. It's like, I mean, it's not just worthwhile. Go see a healthcare provider and get tested um, because there's, it's not, that's not cool to just uh, let that stuff just go undiagnosed. Um, and just to like further pile on. From a food perspective, I know you talked about it being a food allergy thing. We kind of tangentially touched on candida, but before I was paleo, when I had a lot of blood sugar regulation issues, I got um, vaginitis, as you're calling it, (laughs) Um, maybe like at least every other month. Like I had a regular prescription. So, and that's because I was consuming high quantities of refined carbohydrates and sugar before I was paleo. And so if that's also... Yesterday and diabetes are also risk factors. Yeah. So I was going to say, if that's, you know, something that you're experiencing, it could be that, you know, even if you're paleo, if you're eating, you know, foods that don't agree with your body, it's often its way of telling you that. So just be aware of all those different kinds of factors. You're my... I've learned over time that my womenly signals that my body gives me are like really easy ways for me to figure out what's going on with my body, including, you know, tracking my cycle and all that kind of stuff, even though we're not having any more babies, <laughs> like it's good information to know about my own health. Well, I think too, that, you know, different people will have like a different, uh, you know, I, I don't know what like canary in the coal mine type part of their bodies. Um, you know, for me, I get ac- acne is one of the very first things I get when I've eaten something that's not working for me. And, um, and I can tell, you know, <laughs> I've messed something up cause my skin doesn't look good. Um, but I think that different people have different things. So yeah, acne and headaches are kind of my like early warning signals of, uh, Sarah, you made a bad choice. Um, or <laughs> that was not 
what you thought it was. Um, but I think different people have different symptoms. So some people will be moody or they'll have sleep disturbances or they'll have joint pain. Um, um, and I do get joint pain is my like second, second tier warning signal. Um, and so vaginitis can be one of those, right? It can be one of those, Hey, something's not dialed in and we got to work on this. So, um, I think that probably gives Leah, uh, 7,000 different directions to go in. (laughs) (laughs) She thought Um, she knew the answer and then she got even more confused. Yes. Well, I mean, I would definitely, uh, discontinue eating those foods for now. Um, and then I would, uh, take some time to dig a little deeper and, Definitely rule out STDs with a with a healthcare professional and have a look at uh, food sensitivities and see if that's um, that's a link here. Slash pantyhose <laughs> or spanks, yeah, or wet bathing suits in the summertime. You know what we're saying, ladies? Uh, chafing, breathing. We're saying yes. Breathing. We're saying heat humidity and friction (laughs) oh this is awesome all right let's uh let's let's move on we haven't we haven't even talked about the awkward topic yet no no we've got we've got uh stacy's favorite topic i actually and i have to say i love actually how uh, jenny even asked this question because i think it's amazing so well let me let me read jenny's question jenny writes First, let me say I love the podcast you guys rock. And I just want to say that the words love and rock are in all caps. So you know, I gotcha. This is this is the secret to getting your your question on the show is to compliment us, as we've already said. Uh second to Stacy, I am sorry in advance for this question, but I have to ask. <laughs> and Jenny, don't be sorry. I'm really excited to answer this question for you. <laughs> And Jenny's question is, why do I poop more and have gas during my period? So I was interesting because before we received this question, I had actually recently um, looked into this myself and it is a legitimate problem. Um, So I just, I just want to tell people in advance, I had thought that it was like, my imaginary friend that I just noticed it more often because I'm probably not going to be alone here when I tell you that it's more of a difficult activity to ensure proper hygiene during that period. And so for a really long time, I was just like, I'm just noticing that it's happening more often because it's more difficult to deal with the situation. Um, But in fact, that's not the case because a BuzzFeed article popped up in Facebook for me, of all things. Um, what? Right. Okay. That said, period poops, it's a real thing. Hold on, let me tell you. Why your period wreaks havoc on your poop habits. And it's hysterical. I put a link in the show notes. Well, Monica put a link in the show notes. Um, there's a whole bunch of gifts that will make you laugh and feel better about yourself, which is why I think I'm fine with the subject, because I'm like looking at a photo from bridesmaids of the lady going like, it's coming out of me like lava. And I'm like, that's what I feel like during menstruation week. Um, and we haven't really apologized to the men in advance, but really we shouldn't have to because <laughs> the women in your life need you to be educated or else it's okay to totally just not listen to some topics sometimes. And, um, and I think we've got some great terminology that we can swap out. 
already on the show, right? <laughs> right. I, I think that's important. I think it's I think it's important to uh, use scientific terms. So, um, the the situation is compounded by two things. One, let's be real. You're probably eating less healthy food than you use than you usually do during a week of cravings because cravings are driven by hormones that week and you know you're likely eating foods that you wouldn't normally be drawn to but two it's because the hormone progesterone peaks during your period which actually has an effect on how things move through your intestines um so the article that i read actually says some people will alternate between having constipation or diarrhea or just a general feeling of discomfort. Um, mine is just seemingly neither of those things and just more frequent. Um, and I think it has something to do with the fact that the uterus is thickening and then that it sheds. And so that hormone is is actually shedding kind of everything from your body. Do you want to drop some science bombs to validate that that understanding is kind of what the hormone is doing? Yeah, so it it's really this this massive shift between uh, high progesterone and estrogen turning back on. So what's really common is for so progesterone uh, slows down peristalsis, and estrogen speeds it up. And so what happens is your progesterone peaks for about five days before your period starts. So it's also very common to um, have less frequent bowel movements, maybe even some constipation for a few days before your period starts. And then it's the progesterone plummets, the estrogen goes up and it's basically like, woohoo, let's open the floodgates. But what happens is in that constipation period is that um, when you slow down peristalsis, you absorb more water um, from the intestines. So that can then cause this like it basically exaggerates constipation because it makes the contents in the uh, colon firmer. Um, and then the other thing that happens is when you slow down peristalsis, you actually give more time for fermentation and that's where the excess gas comes from. So when you hit that uh, <laughs> gas pedal, um, when your period starts and your body is finally able to start moving these things out again, that's why it feels like you have this like, backlog it's because you you literally haven't been moving things through but probably at the same time eating a lot more because that's really typical with that high progesterone right before a period starts for us that's when most women will have you know pms cravings um and so there's also always an aspect of this that is um we don't necessarily make the same food choices two days before a period starts so we make the rest of the month um, but then there's everything, you know, peristalsis turns back on and then there is, uh, several days of catching up, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> I feel like you're more trepidatious about your words than I was. <laughs> I, I just outright I'm said just some thinking, stuff. I mean, I'm pretty sure that parents have already decided this is not an appropriate episode to listen to in the car while driving the kids to preschool. But I was just thinking, just in case, uh, maybe some euphemisms would be would be better. But, you know, so it's basically it's the pooping more has to do with those few days of pooping less before the period starts when the progesterone was high. And then when the progesterone tanks, the estrogen comes back on and things get moving again, um, you're you're basically you're spending a few days catching up and 
expelling the backlog that built up during those few days. And there's more gas simply because there's more opportunity for fermentation when things are a little bit more stagnant in the bowel. Okay, so you didn't talk about something that I was hoping. Oh, I'm sorry. What nerdy thing did did I miss out on? Prostaglandins. So in this article, it doesn't actually give a reference or link. Well, no, there is a link to a study that says it found a relationship between period poop changes and prostaglandins, which is the hormone-like compound that can trigger cramps, which would make sense because that's the, when you menstruate, it's your uterus shedding the lining of itself. So you would need some internal muscle cramps to make, to muscle tractions, or as we would think of them, cramps to move that out. And they think that People who have more frequent bowels um, in this study were found to have higher concentrations of prostaglandins than those who were not, i.e. constipated. So I haven't read the study on the link between prostaglandins and uh, bowel habits. Um, But what's really interesting to me that you bring that up is that prostaglandins, what prostaglandins are formed is highly related to the types of fats that are in our diets. So prostaglandins are a, um, they're called a paracrine and autocrine signal. So they're kind of like a hormone that instead of getting into the circulation and signaling far away from the gland that secretes it, it's a either a signal that's within a cell or a signal that's just with neighboring cells. So it's like the, the, um, the, the short, you know, close in signaling version of what hormones do in a, in a much, you know, broader, bigger sense. And um, prostaglandins, basically what happens is uh, fats are stored in the cell membrane and then the cell uh, takes those fats and makes prostaglandins. And what types of fat are available will determine what type of prostaglandin is made. And this is something that I researched in the context of inflammation because this is why uh, long-chain omega-3 fats like DHA and EPA are anti-inflammatory compared to uh, the omega-6 fat that is stored for prostaglandin formation is called arachidonic acid. So when you have a diet that's really, really high in omega-6s, you have too much arachidonic acid in the cell membranes, and so you produce the more uh, inflammatory um, autocrine and paracrine signals, so more uh, inflammatory prostaglandins um, and thromboxanes. And so when you have more DHA and EPA, the prostaglandins formed are less inflammatory. And so what's interesting to me is I, so I don't know, uh, you know, so prostaglandins um, and thromboxanes do have a fair amount of control in terms of uh, blood vessel dilation. Um, and inflammation. Um, I don't know if, I mean, if they're di- usually things that dilate things dilate more than just blood vessels. So things that dilate blood vessels can also dilate, you know, lungs, for example, lung tissue. Um, so, um, so I, I'd, I'd have to go and sort of find the, the more detailed exactly how, what prostaglandins are doing, what in terms of either peristalsis or, um, muscle contraction or, or where that fits in, in terms of the bowel habits. But what's interesting to me is that really strongly implies a food link, um, you know, more so than necessarily a hormone, uh, like a hormone link, because 
prostaglandins are sort of made all the time, but there's also a big relationship between bigger hormone single signals like estrogen and progesterone and prostaglandin formation. So uh, to me, I'm like, oh, hey, I wonder if that me that's one of the reasons why, for example, women have tend to report having less PMS and um, reduced cramping with their periods after adopting a paleo diet. I wonder if that's something that's going on here. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting link to which I, I don't actually uh, know all the details and cannot cannot help you out there, which is why. I didn't say all that much about it before. <laughs> well, that's fine. I just read about it on BuzzFeed. It's not like I actually have any knowledge myself, but um, it seemed to make sense. So I thought you might have some science, and you did. So I think we've addressed everything except how awesome the gif is of Tina Fey shoving an entire pizza in her mouth, which is how <laughs> I'm sure we all feel during that week. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. Um, I think I talked about that last week as well. And the alternative choices that I choose to make, because sometimes what you're feeling is not what will make you actually feel your best. Since so. what you think will make you happy really doesn't. Exactly. <sighs> Hashtag truth. Awesome. Well, I like it. I like that I just openly talked about all I'm, kinds of jazz. I am so proud of you. Thanks. Only because BuzzFeed hooked it up. Uh, so I think we should do a little like raise the roof for BuzzFeed. I mean, obviously. Absolutely. I'm doing it right now. Also, I mean, 90% of the thing's not actually educational and mostly a time suck. But what would we do without BuzzFeed? Truth. Again. <laughs> raise the roof. Huh? Uh, so... Thank you very much uh, for talking about poop, <laughs> agreeing, agreeing to do that. And um, I think we should uh, thank our listeners and remind them about leaving a review on iTunes. Um, we love reviews. We read them all and they help other people find the show. So it's if you haven't given us a review in a while or if you've never given us a review um, and you like the show and you want to let us know. Please head on over to iTunes and leave us your feedback there. You were so close to rhyming, like, multiple lines there. I was, like, I, literally crossing my fingers. I would start, like, sounding like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. We hope you had a great holiday. And are you traveling next week? Should I mm -hmm. wish you good travels? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're leaving on Saturday, so I, by the time this airs, it's like tomorrow that we're leaving. So um, we're going to be enjoying road tripness of multiple days, which is a new thing for us, because <laughs> uh, we're going to take two days to do that crazy drive with our kids. And um, uh, yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be a fun adventure. And then it's going to be part vacation part trying to encourage my husband to ditch work to hang out on the beach with us so that's also <laughs> going to be a, a fun a fun new adventure but i'm i'm excited because uh naples has like a gluten-free slash paleo bakery nice we are going to go check out and several farm-to-table restaurants so i'm like oh my gosh place where i can go and hang out at the beach and get great food it's like it's like perfect it's nirvana 
Well, I hope you have a great time. I know Wesley will be jealous because he wants nothing more than to be in Florida. He's continuing to eat salad every single day, talking about <laughs> how the only thing he needs in life is Harry Potter land. So well, he has to be tall for those rides. I know he's he's four inches. <laughs> it's like it's a oh, lot of salad, kid. Yeah, that's so. uh, that's a year and a half of salad. I told him. I I said as soon as you're tall enough, we'll go. But it probably won't be until next summer. So we'll see anyway. Um, Crossing well, my fingers for him. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Good evening. Hello. Did you see did you see the little uh, animated emoji I sent you on Skype? It says parentheses monkey. I must not have like an updated what? version. It's uh that's a really sad thing. <laughs> have to fix that problem. I'm obviously still living in the eighties. <laughs> or, you know, February. Well, I'm just gonna talk about how Easter was fun. Sure. Let's do it. That was pretty intense, that laugh right there. <laughs> Because I just like, well, like, I I just this morning was like, oh, shoot, I have to do something for Easter. Amazon, same day delivery, baby. You know what you could do for Easter? You could make gummy worms <laughs> and peeps. <laughs> yes, I could. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.